what's the salary range for, you know, just like entry level? And what are some realistic salaries that people can expect to earn if they put in the work? Good question. So I've only speak from my experience. Um, I started out, I'm not sure if this is considered high, but my very first UX related job, it was like 75. Salary was 75. And then, of course, I'm considered a senior at this point because I've been doing it for so long. So upwards of like the the upper ones, I'll just say yeah. that. But it varies between if you're an independent contractor, if you work for a company, I, it just varies. But I'm at right now, I'm looking at like the higher one. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have Will Davis. Do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Janiah. It's my very first podcast, so I'm a little nervous, (laughs) but it's going to be an interesting talk. So thank you for having me first off. My name is Will. I operate as a UX designer in the digital space. I've been doing it for almost a decade now. In that time, I created like digital solutions, if you will, for B2B, B2C, and SaaS websites and products in various industries, including Medicare. That was an interesting one. <laughs> um, automotive retail, oil refinery, and banking and finance as well. So you've really worked in all types of industries. Now, if you could create a blueprint of your success to pass on to someone without a college degree, how would that look like? That's a good question. And this is going to be a very corny answer, but there isn't one. There really isn't. You know, how I got into the field was truly by faith, opportunity, and being bold. That was it. You know, I'm getting into design. There weren't many courses or opportunities when you think of like higher education at the time. So I winged it, you know, um, life circumstances that happened. I wanted to make that shift because it was something that interested me, but I honestly, there isn't one. If anything, like each individual that wants to get in UX has to create that blueprint for themselves. And unfortunately, even though this is not necessarily something that's talked about a lot on social media, um, it's not for everyone to follow, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's ultimately like op- operating the best way you can in whatever field you want to get into and being bold and being brave and putting yourself out there, even if you aren't qualified, you know? No, I love that because look, I couldn't, design for my life i could tell what's a good design but that's easy that's the easy part now creating that design taking all these things in that's a different skill set it's a level of creativity i don't have but it's okay but for the people who do there's a lot of opportunity and there are many ways to break in so what's the salary range for you know just like entry level and what are some realistic salaries that people can expect to earn if they put in the work Good question. So I've only speak from my experience. Um, I started out, I'm not sure if this is considered high, but my very first UX related job, it was like 75. Salary okay. was 75. And then and that was like 10 years ago. So that means like that, that would be a higher salary now. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course I'm considered a senior at this point because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. So upwards of like the, the upper ones, I'll just say yeah. that, but it varies between. If you're an independent contractor, if you work for a company, uh, it just varies. But I'm at right now, I'm looking at like the higher ones. And yeah. I'm grateful, of course. Yeah. I mean, you put in, you have a great portfolio, you put in the work and all that. Now, were you ever asked about not having a degree in a job interview? And if you were, how'd you respond? Actually, it wasn't at all. Oh. And that that's very surprising. I didn't know you, I didn't know you needed a college degree to get into, to get jobs. Hey. Are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, 
LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. Not until later on in my career when I saw people um, engaging with programs and all of that to get into design, digital design, UX, whatever you want to call it. Because my very first opportunity as a UX designer, no one who was operating as a design practitioner had a degree. And these individuals had been in the field in that particular company for five to seven years. And ironically enough, those that did have a degree, they weren't operating at the capacity or had the job title that that kind of, of those people that had the college degree. So it was kind of flip-flopped. And so through that experience, I was like, oh, okay, it kind of, turned everything I knew about career in higher education on its head. And so, I mean, I never discount or discredit people from getting a degree um, because everyone operates and they learn differently. I'm just one of those people I need to go rogue and do my own thing yeah. for a while. <laughs> I, yeah. Just me. Um, but yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know it was a thing because UX and, and design in general for like digital products, the space that I work in, I wasn't necessarily something that came into my awareness until like year five or six, actually. I mean, that's interesting. And I can kind of see it just being the fact that sometimes you learn some theoretical things. You go into it. But at the end of the day, it's what customers like. And that's about testing. That's about experience. That's about truly understanding your customer. And if you never speak to a customer, if you never look at the analytics, you never look at how people respond, you can't ever know, right? You can't just take a bunch of courses. Yes, you'll learn some fundamentals of design and all that. But at the end of the day, it's like the customer, you know, they decide, right? Are they clicking it? Are they doing the action that you want them to do? Are they spending time on the page? Are they, whatever they're buying, depending on the goals and all that stuff. So now, you know, thank you for sharing that info. Now let's take it back. what do you want to be in high school? And how is high school like for you? Oh, high school sucked. <laughs> I hated high school. Just being honest, I was trying to get through it the best way that I could. Um, I did it because I had to. I've just never been a person um, that that liked school or like organized learning, which is what drew me to U- to UX so much. It actually wasn't until um, I believe I was seventeen years old. I was a huge fan of the television competition show American Idol, like the first four okay. seasons. Obsessed, and so, and so I believe it was the third season. Um, there was a, a online message board called Idea for Idols Forums. It's, it's been a while. Um, yeah. But as I was engaging with everyone talking about our favorites, what we like, what we didn't like at the bottom of like their little profiles of their posts, there was this 500 by 100 pixel block of just graphics. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? I'm drawn to this because I've always been drawn to like creativity. I love music. I love art of any capacity. Um, up until that point, I didn't have an outlet for that. I didn't know I had an outlet for that until I engaged with that forum. And so I learned, um, cause we, we didn't have YouTube at the time. I'm dating myself just a little bit. Uh, we didn't yeah. have YouTube. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have any of that. So it was live journal and that was it for me. And so I learned what it was. Um, and I, I learned about Adobe Photoshop. Way back when my computer didn't have the, the memory to have Adobe Photoshop. <laughs> A gigabyte at the time didn't have, I had maybe oh. 500, 500 megabytes. That was it. Uh, so yeah. I had to get creative. I had to use what was called Jask Paint Shop Pro. So it's like, it was a great product. <laughs> Loved it. Um, uh, Jask Paint Shop Pro, which was an alternative to Photoshop that had a lot of the same skills. And so what I did was I followed along with the Photoshop tutorials that I had as much as I possibly could. Cause of course there were some differences. And it was off to the races from there. I, I spent days upon days, endless nights. I needed to get up and have a final the next day. I didn't care. I was just learning and, and chomping away. Um, and so that's really, that really turned my traje- trajectory um, when it came to my career path. Because um, at first I was like, I just want to be an optometrist because I wear glasses and make $100,000 a year. So that wasn't my passion at all. But I, I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I knew that I loved it. And um, validation is important, right? Um, so so trans- transitioning back into that online form that I was on, I would post things and people would like them. 
And now I would get requests for things like, wow, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Okay, let me let me follow this and see where it leads. Um, it had led me inadvertently to a now nine-year career in UX design. Who would have thunk? Wow, that's so cool. So what was like the first time you realized, so you did it for yourself. How was the reaction for that? Like other people saying like, hey, whatever your username is, that's a cool banner. Well, first, I, I was a little scared to, to post it because, of course, people online, even back then, could be a little rude. So I yeah. was a little hesitant to post things at first because I wanted to really get it. I'm, I'm still like that now. Before I post anything, I want to make sure that I get whatever it is in my body. I enjoy it. I love it. If I release it, it doesn't matter because I enjoy it. And that's what matters. And I operate that way to this day. Um, so so that's what I started with. And then when I posted things, um, people were giving feedback, well, maybe you should tweak things a little bit here, tweak things a little bit there. And I was like, oh, great, thank you. And I just used that and I applied that to whatever it is I was working on at the time. And then soon thereafter, maybe a couple of months, I got people asking for requests like, hey, can you create this banner for me? I was like, sure. And so from there, that's like my first taste into like collaborating. Um, yeah. I guess you can consider it like a B2C, if you will, even though I wasn't getting paid for it at the time. Um, and understanding what those communications should look like and, and potentially look like for the better and for the worse, you know? Yeah. So then what came next? So you started doing some banners. When was the first time that you had some official work or you got paid in some capacity? Ooh, I actually got paid on my very first job. I was working retail at the time and I made like this banner, um, for a department and what I was advertised, it was for advertising a, um, a promotion that was going on. And I straight up asked my manager, Hey, I have these skills. Um, I can show you some of my work. Um, are you open to having me create a banner for of some sort for this particular um, department? And she said, yes. And um, that was my first gig. And yeah, I, I started doing that for a good eight years. And then that's when I kind of stumbled upon what is now UX by complete accident. Um, it just kind of happened one day. <laughs> so, Can you talk about that day that it happened? Yeah. So the year was 2013 and I was taking some college courses and I received my very first smartphone in 2013. The iPhone one came out in 2008. And so I was just really enamored by like, what are these little square things on my phone? Would I know they were called applications? And then at the time, I was a huge user of social media, more specifically on Facebook, if you will. And yeah. I started engaging with that application. And I was like, what is this? I like what I'm experiencing. Yeah, I like what I'm experiencing. I like what this looks like. Hmm, I wonder how my skills can transfer from what I, what I do in graphic design into whatever this is. I didn't have the language for it at the time. Um, another example that, that, um, I can think of automatically was a little different. Um, cause I have, a, I, I love tennis for those who don't know. I'm a huge tennis fan and a, a friend of mine, shout out to Elvis. Um, he allowed me the opportunity to go with him to several professional matches in the desert. I'm originally from Southern California. So, um, Indian Wells, for anyone who's familiar, I went to about seven of those. And so I believe it was either the first or second. Um, they, the environment had an application. It wasn't very good, um, but I used it anyway because I, I was just so enamored. And I wanted to understand like how this application kind of fits into my actual experience. As I'm watching, who was it? Um, Rafael Nadal and his opponent playing. How does application play into my experience? How does it make it better? So I saw that it was it was something as simple as seeing the the scores update in real time. That was it for me. I was hooked. So I was like, okay. As soon as I went home that night, again, I don't know what what it is I'm doing. I'm going to utilize whatever I had at this point. It was Photoshop. Um, I didn't have Sketch at the time. Um, just learning as much as I possibly could. At that point, we had YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. I have a master's degree in um, YouTube University um, in UX design. I like to say. And so I, in this consumption of a lot of the information, the data that resonated, data that didn't, all of it was valuable. And so slowly but surely, even though I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know any of the, the processes or the best practices. I just started creating and started creating. And I did the same thing that, that I did with graphic, graphic design, 
um, just putting stuff out there, seeing the response that I got um, on mediums like Behance on uh, .NET um, was was the main one. And of course, I asked my family and friends nationally, oh my God, everything's great. Uh, but it wasn't until I um, engaged with people on, on Behance, like other professionals to see what they were doing and borrowing um, some of their um, design output um, and then slowly but surely understanding the process of UX and what it looks like from like a very high level. Um, that's how it started, really. Obviously, you were very passionate about it. Did you think that it was going to work out? Because, you know, it's always different, right? You're kind of diving in. It's a new field. Like, how was that process like for you? So the learning was totally different than getting into the field. I had no idea. Um, transition, it was like two years after I started learning what UX design was. Life happened. Um, I was left, what was it, three duffel bags and a backpack and a, and a suitcase to my name. I had to leave everything behind, literally, um, and live in a brand new place with nothing. And so I was sleeping on, what was it, an air mattress um, in a few members' living room, and I had nothing. And some someone like me, who has their back up against the wall like that, I become very dangerous in the best way possible, of course. Um, I just become fearless. You know, like, you know what, F it. What's the worst that could happen? You can already say, no, this is this already happened. This life thing already happened. What It doesn't matter at this point. So I get hustled and I I, I went through several, several air mattresses, um, just spending the time and the energy and the effort, just learning and learning and learning um, until one day I got a call from a recruiter. It was for your senior level UX designer position. I knew I wasn't senior level. I had no experience. He knew I didn't have the experience. I didn't have any experience. But he's like, you know what? Um, there's this is an opportunity you want to you want to go for it. I said, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the, the people um, at that company saw my resume and was like, okay, I guess we have 30 minutes in our day. We can talk to this this man, see what he's talking about, and then we can go about go around our business. Um, it was very nerve wracking, of course. Um, didn't do very well in the interview. In fact, I bombed. And then fast forward, maybe three months later, I get a call from that same recruiter. And he's like, hey, well, do you remember that interview you had with that company back in May? And I said, vaguely. And he said, well, you didn't get the job. I was like, well, I knew that. <laughs> um, but they saw that you had good instincts. They saw you had good design shops. So what they would like to do is open up a contracted position designated specifically for you so you can learn. To this day, I have not run into anyone who's had a start like that. So when I you had asked the question earlier about um, the blueprint, that was my blueprint. My blueprint was faith and my blueprint was opportunity and being fearless. That led me to that opportunity. Who knows what would have happened that day when I told the recruiting, no, I don't have the experience. Um, I'm just going to pass. Who knows what I, where I would have been? I got chills. Who knows where I would have been if I did not take that opportunity that day? Oh I'm my glad God. you said yes. And I'm glad they, they, took <laughs> I'm glad. The, they took a chance on you. They really did. I was there for uh, a year. And it was an amazing opportunity um, because it was such a diverse, that's just a buzzword now. But way back then, we're talking about 2015 at this point, and when yeah. I first started, 2014, 15, fuzzy. Um, so at this point, like DEI and any of that was not a buzzword. It just was. And that's something I look forward in companies when I'm interviewing to this day. Are they touting DEI or are they actually about it? Yeah. You know? Um, so in that year, um, within the next month or two, I was incredibly overwhelmed. But by month two, I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. And it was no turning back after that. And so I can honestly cannot see myself doing anything else. And that's thanks to that yes I gave the the recruiter that day and the company who gave me the opportunity. Um, the okay. manager, my, the best manager I've ever had up until this point. She was no longer with the company, but her name is Tatiana Miller. Um, shout out to Seth Roberts and, and David and Nadine and everybody. Hope you all are doing well. No, that's amazing that, you know, you still, you know, remember them. You had a shot. So... What'd you learn on the job that you didn't know before? Oh, everything. Every, <laughs> everything. UX process. Um, one of the the most impactful experiences I will never forget is my very first, excuse me, first design feedback session. Oh my God, they ripped me to absolute shreds. 
<laughs> and my feelings were a little hurt because I didn't learn, know at the time to not take things personal. But once I sat back and I started looking at things objectively, there's so many nuggets of wisdom. And at that point, the one thing that I, I came away from that is that UX is entirely subjective. You know, I went into it thinking that um, for UX design, one plus one equals two. Uh, whereas in UX design, so in, in the real world, it's one plus one sometimes equals 1.758. And that's the right answer. What? But that was like the very first thing. And it was, it started me off on such a, a huge trajectory, just that one experience. And then so, of course, the more you engage with people, the more you understand how they get feedback, the better you become as a designer. And it's, it's kind of like a, it's an iterative cycle. It's kind of yeah. tongue in cheek, but it is what it is. So what would you say by the end of year one, what you, so you learned the processes, you learned how to take feedback. What are some other important skills that you learned after the first year? Ooh, soft skills. The importance of soft skills, um, seeing how people engage with each other, um, the cross-functional collaboration. Um, a, a huge misconception about UX design is what you see on social media is like, would you, would you like UI one or UI two or any? No. Like you are in the trenches, if you will, for lack of better phrasing, um, with people who are product managers, um, developers, um, stakeholders, your managers, your peers, and all of that fits together to help you create a solution. And that solution is not always a design output. In my experience, um, the solution sometimes was a modification of existing process, did not have anything to do with me putting pen to paper or pixel to sketch, or it was Adobe Illustrate at the time. Yikes. Yeah. Um, none of that. You know, the importance of knowing how to talk to people and asking the right questions and understanding the actual problem that we're trying to solve as a business. Because of course, naturally, resources, time is money, you know? So by asking those right questions and having your peers and your collaborators think of things from their perspective to find that solution it could save a lot of time, you know? Um, so definitely those soft skills for sure. Ooh, so what came next after that first job? Ooh, it was a very interesting time in my life. Um, that's actually when I moved to Phoenix, Arizona the first time. Um, I was smelling myself a little bit. I was, I had the experience. I worked at this big wood company. I could do anything. I still feel that way. Um, but at that time, um, an opportunity presented, my, presented itself, excuse me. And I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. I'm just on a whim. And so I wanted to engage and, and learn myself in different environments as with this, these new schools that I have. And so next I work, I forgive me, I forget the name of the, the company, but they operated in like occupational um, salaries or whatnot. So they were a database, um, data-driven company that utilized or um, provided output for their customers about like the going rate for like a, excuse me, I don't, I'm not sure if this is, we'll just say data specialist. We'll, we'll keep yeah. it vague. Um, and so they wanted a online identity. So it involved UX design and also web design. So during pure um, HTML and CSS and some JavaScript as well. Um, unfortunately, they never ended up using any of the stuff that I that I created. But I still got paid though. Um, yeah. But it was, it was it was an awesome opportunity. I learned a lot about myself in that capacity as well because I was operating somewhat, even though it was a contracted position. I was operating as a um, entrepreneur in a sense, the way that thing operated because it was just me. Um, the manager wasn't directly my manager. It was a manager of the company. So our communication was a little different. And so I learned through that as well. Um, and so after that, I worked at an automotive retail company. No idea. Had, couldn't tell you what a tire was. Couldn't tell you what a wheel was. Couldn't tell you what size was. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> but again, that drive and that tenacity that I have always had and still have to this day was what I was confident that would have, would have got me in that room. And it did. And so started there, worked there for a good year or two, almost two years, um, transferred into Medicare. Um, so UX and um, federal and state regulations are like oil and water, the bad kind. So that the most challenging um, work experience I've had up until this point, up until this point. But, you know, you learn you learn things every, well, I prefer to learn things everywhere I go. So, so it, it worked out just as it was intended to. What were some of the next few roles? So you had the Medicare, then what came after the Medicare stuff? What came next? 
Ooh, education, actually. Um, so it was an online platform. They wanted to digitize a lot of the processes because, of course, it was the classrooms were digital. Um, and so, unfortunately, that didn't last too long because um, there was something happening with the contract. So that didn't last very long. Then next, I worked with um, transportation logistics. Ah, oh, another beast. Oh, there's a trend here. Uh, so another beast, which was which was an interesting opportunity. Um, I learned quite a bit. Um, especially with like the supply chain issues and how that works, especially when you when you think about moving freights of materials from A to B, the things that are happening now, I get like an insight into how that works and how that operates. And I got to operate as a UX designer in that capacity. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and most recently, back into automotives again, <laughs> um, but, but this time it was for a company that focuses on um operating or creating a SaaS application that, again, helps digitize um, and helps um, small mom and pop automotive shops run more efficiently. Wow. So you've really hit all the industries. Now, what other industries did you hit after the automotive? Well, I can't say that just yet. Um, yeah. I haven't hit them all, um, but but there's, there's one thing about me, um, especially if you follow me on Twitter. I love many things, right? And so one of the things that I absolutely love is sneakers. And so um, I was very intentional about not getting too, getting involved too quickly into that um, environment because I, I'm very aware, like operating as a consumer is very different than operating as a practitioner. So I yeah. was scared for a long time to like even consider working at Nike, Jordan brand, wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I want to do next, you know, because that, that's one of those, those untapped markets. It's... um automotive and music as well. And so once I, once I tap those things, I pretty much have run the gamut of all the industries that I wanted to tap. So, so yeah. Looking back, what were the benefits of working in so many industries? Oh, that's a very good question. It was the detachment. Um, as a design practitioner, it is so important to have a healthy detachment from the things that you're working on. Like, like I stated previously, like I love sneakers. I have a lot of sneakers, right? Um, that puts a very uh puts a bias over how you show up in those environments because at that point you're you're creating too much for yourself and not too much for the business and not too much for the users because you get so caught up in the emotional aspect of it. Yeah. Um though it's important the emotional aspect of it should come from the users, it should come from you. You know? Yeah. And so engaging in um those different um, industries, me not having that detachment, excuse me, excuse me, me having that detachment um, really allowed me to operate in a way that I was like open-minded and just a sponge of everything that was coming my way without hindrance of me, my personal feelings or any of that. So, so that was the the major takeaway. And I think it's important because oftentimes I see a lot of people when they approach certain things and they, when you're too much of a consumer, and they're creating their own business. They're thinking like they're the consumer, but it's like you have to think about the customer. What's their relationship with technology? What age are they? What demographic? How do they like? What colors? What's the feeling you want them to capture? How they react? Because I may react a certain way, but I may not be the average consumer. And designing for me may not be designing for, you know, who, you know, I want to design for. Now, you've worked in all these industries. If you were to start your journey again, or you would advise someone who's, you know, starting on their journey, how would you advise them to go today? You know, based on the resources, like now they have YouTube, Behance, there are a lot more communities, a lot more resources, what tools, right? That's a very good question. This is actually a question that I, I answer a lot. Um, I don't say that I have mentors, but I have people that ask me questions about UX. I've been doing it for so, so long. And though the one thing that I cling to that I wish I saw more people in my position talking about, and also from my experience, starting small. And what I mean by that is I hate to get on my soapbox about this, but you see a lot of these um, college courses, the Google certificates and all that stuff. And I've ran into people just getting into the industry and they're creating, they're attempting to create, excuse me, no, no slight to them, full blown applications about an idea that they had um, that about a prompt they were given in, in the courses. I'm like, this is not realistic at all. Start small, you know? Um, UX is in everything. We are engaged in UX every single day. Um, as a consumer, you're providing data. 
to companies and to applications, you're providing insight through social proofing or um, um, ranking systems and all of that. And a lot of t- what, one thing I would be remiss if I didn't say um, it's like the the whole definition of UX or human centered design, if you will, is like creative problem solving with the purpose of investigating workflows, workflows, how users engage with the digital products, not necessarily the UI, which is only one in a small aspect of it, because the discovery is the most important part. Um, so if I, one thing that I always tell people who want to get into the field is start with what you have. What do I mean by that? Start with the application that you use every day with the work that you're already doing. You know, you're engaging with UX design there. Also look into like one or two aspects of your current workflow. So putting yourself in the shoes of an actual consumer. Um, and how would you improve that? Keep that in mind as you're learning the UX design processes. And then once you are comfortable enough with a solution, wrong or right, doesn't matter. Um, see how that fits into the, the overall picture of what you create, of what you're using every day and see not only does it work, but also how does it interact with other aspects of the, the product that you're using? And then you're going to get those responses, those answers and slowly building your prowess, even without a college degree or a certificate. And that's what really matters. Um, especially if you get in these rooms, um, and you're interviewing that matters, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in rooms as a person who not in charge, but involved in the hiring of other design practitioners. And you can kind of tell the journey that they've had up until this point. Oh, this person went to Coursera. This person went to Google. This person went to, got a certification, made a portfolio. They got some not so great advice. And then now here they're in front of us um, doing the best they possibly can, trying to get an opportunity to get in the door to get their career started. So I always tell people who are getting into UX or wanting to learn UX, start small and start with what applications you're actively using. Do not try to create things from scratch because I can tell you in my almost 10 years of experience, it never works out that way. Or if it does, it works in the capacity of you engaging and being um, involved with cross-functional collaboration with other people and other roles, if you will, to make that solution successful. I love that advice because it can get overwhelming when you think, oh, designing a whole application and all the features. But it's like, hey, why don't you just make a mock-up of one screen that you think, hey, the checkout, right? Just the checkout. Maybe you move little things, you make it easier, you make it more accessible and all that. And I always tell people the beauty of UX is that you can actually showcase your, your work on a place like Twitter or LinkedIn. Like I've always told people, you like a movie? Go create a movie post, like take, make your own movie poster and share it, right? Show off your design, right? Some people are going to like it, some people, but you know, you have the opportunity to build in public. And then what happens is you'll catch the eye of other people like, oh, this person's, oh, they got some skills. I see the instinct. I see a younger version. I see what they're working with. I see where they need help, you know, because so many people, they're just there and it's like, they're not taking these small, these initiatives. And even though it's small, it's a big leap, right? It's that leap to put, you know, you're taking that step of, you're, o- you're putting it out there. You're open to be criticized and all that. So now you mentioned like, you know, which course is there a course that stands out when they're like, Hey, or you, you feel like each course only covers a small part. Um, they all cover the same part and they're all bad. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I want, I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest because a lot of times they're, you know, they're trying to create it. I mean, thankfully they're free. So it's not the worst thing in the world. But, you know, it's just good to know that when you go in taking the course and you go in with the expectation, hey, I'm going to be bad at it. I'm going to know a little more than before, but I still have a long way to go because sometimes people take those things and all of a sudden they think, oh, I'm a UX, I'm senior level UX or I'm XYZ. Here's why it's bad. I just want to put that out there and say, well, they all suck. The thing is, um, they don't talk enough about the most important part. I referred to soft skills earlier. That should be your skill number one. Soft skills are important. And those soft skills engaging with cross-functional collaboration, like the thing about the courses that I've seen is that they are so siloed and just getting getting people's time, we'll say time, um, and, and getting a, a number on a, a statue that say that we push this many people 
through the course at um over the period of 2022 but they they are so siloed a silo is the death of ux design and so these these individuals who are trusting these companies to get these certifications they're not engaging with cross-functional collaboration with the things that they're creating um, they're not working with the developer. They're not working with a PM. They're not working with someone who acts as a manager. They don't get familiar with that language. They don't get familiar with their processes along with, with their own as a designer. And how do those things work together? And again, the projects are so big. It, like, it's almost like they're the people who are engaging with these courses, my perspective, um, they're getting set up to fail because when you get into these rooms, and you're talking to someone like me who's asking you questions about your solution and they're somewhat in depth. You, they don't know how to answer those questions. They're stammering and they're stuttering. It doesn't present, it doesn't present them in the best light. Um, especially as someone who is an interviewer has a new interview in this example would be me. Um, so I mean, it, at its current state, um, I wouldn't recommend any of them to be honest with you, but if anything, this is free. Um, they should really look into creating those changes so that they give these junior designers a fighting chance to be successful. I mean, I've heard this suggestion. I've heard about for developers and designers. So if you're a developer, go find a UX designer and go partner on a project. And if you're UX, find a web developer, go partner on a project. Would you say that's a little more realistic? Like they find maybe a small startup and they maybe they'll design the landing page or something, or maybe they'll design the home screen. Would you say that's like a better use because then they can actually go through that collab, at least a small part, right? It may not be as large scale, but would that be a better route? Absolutely. I actually gave that advice yesterday. <laughs> you heard it on the Okay, head. okay. Yeah, I just engaged yeah. with who's learning UX and that was the advice that I gave her. Um, we're such in a very interesting, I don't want to say that they're spoiled, but they just have so much access. Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, I had when I was, I was younger and you have like technologies like Web3, and those processes, those are different. And of course, it's it kind of rogue and open source as it is. So engaging in those types of environments that are slightly more intricate or more unknown, if you will, and engaging with those those people in those roles through that, you know, there's so many opportunities. So especially if you're you're learning the field, um, open source is def- open source or free projects are definitely the way to go. Just be careful not to get too deeply involved into those projects because at that point you need to be asking asking for some uh, compensation. You know what? You're right. That's a very good point because the open source, you're going to get collaboration, right? Because you're going to have a lot of people already in the project. They're going to be developers. So that's a good way. But it's, a, you know, establish those boundaries like, hey, I'm not going to commit more than 10 hours a week because more than that, it's going to cut into XYZ. It's going to cut into my time. Or maybe, hey, I can do commit X amount of time for maybe three months. And then after that, I need to start getting paid. And it's really important because I've seen a lot of people get sucked in, right? That scope creep, like, hey, can you do a little more of this? Can you do a little more? And, you you know, uh, um, you have to have it pay off um, because, again, you'll get taken advantage of. And, you know, it's a common thing. You get you take advantage of, you know, people who are young, who are trying to break into the field, especially people who may not have the traditional background. Um, how important is a portfolio when it comes to sort of getting a job and moving up? Portfolio is everything. Portfolio is everything. Like, um, unfortunately, um, there are some instances, especially the higher up you go and you get into people management, that's a little bit different. Um, the current state of UX, and even I have a hot take about that as well. Let's go. Go ahead. Portfolios themselves, like, are not a good good um, indicator of somebody's skills. You know, especially if they are actually busy working in day to day operations as a designer. And all that comes in that, especially if they work in like a startup environment, which is very hair is on fire. Everything is important all the time. Um, expecting practitioner to invest so much time for free as a means to make them more appealing to potential employers. I don't think that's necessarily realistic, unfortunately, but the current state of UX, um, and something that I, I have to participate in as well. Um, until those changes are made is like and a portfolio is important, um, but perfection is not. A portfolio is mm. important, but perfection is not. Um, when you get involved in the design process, they want to see how you think. And the subjectiveness of UX design, you could say something is great. I can say it's total trash, not in those words. But I can say it's not so great. And and here's why. 
you know, um, they want to see and they want to look deeper into your thought process or how you how you think about design. So it's like the whole, the one very antiquated example I can think of at this particular moment is like a, a room in a house, house on the street, a street in a city, a city in a state, state on a country, up and up and up and up. So it's like you're increasing or widening your scope of your understanding or whatever I'm trying to say at this moment, like you understand yeah. what it is that you're creating essentially. This is a little bit personal. What would you say is one of the biggest mistakes that you made career-wise? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Not advocating for myself sooner in corporate environments. That is the biggest mistake that I made. It's also something that I forgave myself for recently. Um, so to be quite honest, operating in corporate spaces, especially as a designer, not too many people look like me as a Black man, a Black queer man. No one, I, no one has ever looked like me in this space. I've operated in capacity with people who are similar to me, you know, but no one has, has shared the experience is that I've had, um, in life, you know, and as you're creating these digital projects, we talk about accessibility, but right? we talk about, oh, this person has an, a visible disability. This one has an invisible disability. What happened? What's up? What about the accessibility to people when we talk? outside of what we talk about, excuse me, like marketing to other demographics of people. You see what I'm saying? How can you work that in to the actual application? And who are the people that are creating those environments, and those engagements to help get, help captivate those new audiences? They can't look like Joe and they can't be middle-aged, not middle-aged, but please cut that out. They can't look like, um, my Caucasian counterparts who live the very little boxes life, even Susie or other people, um, they don't usually target to people who look like me. And so that's the thing that's so important, given that I'm on, I don't want to say I'm on a road by myself, but there is not that representation there. Um, it took me eight whole years to effectively learn how to advocate for myself when things don't go right. When I'm being disrespected um, in those environments. So if anything, that would be my one mistake and also doing it absolutely petrified, no matter the outcome, you have to stand up for yourself because otherwise they will trample all over you. And also looking long-term um, in my utopian world of what UX looks like, what is actual diverse and not just the 2020 version, people who look like me and operate in a similar capacity they will have an easier path because someone like me or someone's like myself and others who share a similar background, we've done that legwork to show these individuals who don't look like us, this is how we're supposed to be properly treated and respected as UX practitioners. That was a very long answer. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I love it. It's like people go, go deep and I'm going to ask you another personal question on the other side. What would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Ooh, I'm still here. That's so corny, but it's the truth. Um, we're going back to what I said earlier. There were so many things in my way, especially recently, um, that challenged me mentally, that challenged me emotionally, um, challenged my mental health, my person, my being in the worst ways possible. But I'm still 10 toes down. I'm not going anywhere. So the, the what, what's that saying? I can't think of it right now, but it's about um, showing up. Showing up is success yeah. in itself. I'm paraphrasing. You get what I'm trying to say. So showing up for myself and still being resilient. Um, going back to high school for just a moment, I remember I was taking AP French. No, I don't remember any of it. Um, but it was the day before the exam. And my French teacher, her name is Madame, Madame Hutcherson. Um, I had stayed after school because I really wanted to learn. And I wasn't the best at French at all. I was so bad. Um, but I wouldn't give up. And the one thing that she told me that still stands out to me, stand out to this day, and something that I cling to is that if I knew you were so tenacious, I would have pushed you harder. And I was like, what, what's that? What's tenacious? Is that a foot fung is? But then I read it. I, I, I looked it up and I was like, oh, and I started to look at it, look at myself from a very 17 year old lens, um, what tena tenacity looks like. And it's like, you know what? She's right. 
And so every single year I go back to that and I, I say to myself, in what ways have, have I been tenacious this year? Um, what ways did I show up for myself this year? And what ways did I show up for other people as well this year, especially when it comes to the UX space in a very unique um, space that I'm in right now? Yeah, no, that's cool. What was the hardest period of your life that you went through? Oh, yeah, I think it was definitely the Air Master situation. Um, because it was uh, the span of two years, um, lost everything, completely everything. Didn't know who I was, what I wanted to do. Um, I was engaged in family turmoil, trying to survive. I had zero money. All the while trying to learn UX design. It was like, um, I forgot what it's called, but he had like the surveys uh, online. They're like a hundred questions. They give you like $5. Yeah, and so, yeah. it's, so I was surviving on the whole $20 that I got that I even qualified for um, each month for two years trying to engage with what 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 it, what it was that was UX. I'm trying to get my foot in the door. Um, it was a very trying time for my life, especially from like an identity perspective because I didn't know who I was, um, independent of what I wanted to do. So that was definitely the most trying time. And so I cling to that whenever no. I get up giving up. I just think of myself as a someone in their mid-20s. I'm no longer in my mid-20s. Someone in their mid-20s, um, just trying to make it and trying to figure it out and just just so much trauma and turmoil, but, but I got there and that's the most important part. And that's the thing that, that I, um, that that's like my, my note to myself, but you got there and it stems yeah. for that. So I, I can't, I can't give up. Yeah. I had a podcast guest who had a very tough life, half black, half white. His name is JT McCormick. He wrote a book called I got there. Mm. I think uh, I'll send you the book. You'll like it. I think it was one of those books. Like at the end, I like shed a tear. Like, you know, it was like that good. Like one of those books. Now, if you saw your 18-year-old self walking across the street, what would you tell that version of Will? I wouldn't say anything. I would hug him so tight. I would hug him so tight. Because knowing what I know now, I know mentally what he is going through, um, things he's trying to figure out, um, his identity in this world, him trying to figure out. Um, I wouldn't say anything. Uh, we would just sit there and I would hug him while he cried and he cried. I, that, I would just hug him. Or, or I, would, I wouldn't say it gets better because that, that shit's corny, but I, I would tell him like on the other side of this, don't try to figure out um, what's going to happen? Because it's going to blow your fucking mind. But I would hold him. And I would say, remember what Madame Hutcherson told you. Hold on to that as much as you possibly can. Because it's going to help you in your life when you're past 18 years old. So, <laughs> so that's what I would say. I love that, that. I love that. I haven't seen an answer like that. But that's just, it, it says a lot. I think it makes sense as a designer, right? You saying a lot without words and all that. Now, is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already? Hot take number 2,453. UI, UX is not a thing. Please stop saying it. They are different things altogether. Also, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I see that all the time and I'm like, there's so, there's two different aspects. Yeah. And also like UX is not always, UX is not always digital or design output. It's creating existing processes that have nothing to do with you. But that, that's, those are one of the bigger wins that you can't necessarily put on portfolio because how do you say or have the um, examples to show I um, helped this process in development or marketing with the assistance of UX and we shaved down three sprints worth of work because we were able to identify if we were just to change this one thing in the process that we were able to um, actually solve for the tech debt that was that's been sitting in the application for the past five years happens we were able to resolve the issue and save so much time and energy so i wouldn't put too much emphasis on everything that we see online um some of the things you just have to experience for yourself that is very dismissive to say but it's not my intention um, but just know that ux is more than what you see and for those who are looking to engage do your best to look past that if you can, if you have the capacity and the opportunity, look past that and see the other opportunities, which will help you, especially if your intentions are to navigate into like somewhat people management. That's going to that's going to take you very far. Thank you so much for sharing your story. 
How would people support you and get in contact with you? So I, just, I have a new website. Um, so it's wdavis.design. Um, so there, it's basically my portfolio. Um, you can get in touch with me with it for a coffee chat only several times a month because I'm busy. Um, also open to new projects as well. So if you want to engage with me, talk through a project with a good budget, we, we, we can work it out. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so slash UXWD is the handle. I'm on Twitter as well. Always on Twitter. But disclaimer about Twitter, right? So I'm very intentional about how I show up on public social media. So be aware that on my Twitter, it's not going to be anything that is disrespectful, um, anything of anything of the sort. It's all lighthearted and fun. Um, but oh, I yeah. barely talk about UX design because I'm more than my job. I'm more than my career. So I talk about all the things that I enjoy. I love Janet Jackson. She's my absolute favorite. Everybody knows that. Um, yeah, Serena Williams, Janet Jackson. I, I follow their careers through you. Yes. So that is what I do. So if you want to learn more about me as a person, um, please be intentional. If you do want to engage about anything UX related on the Twitter, I have to set that boundary. Um, sometimes I don't have the capacity to do so because simply I don't want to. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm on Twitter um, just to engage with people, give positivity, genuine positivity and share um, myself, aspects of myself, not the whole thing to the to the Twitterverse. So please be aware of that. But yeah, you can find me on my website at wdavis.design, on Twitter at at UXWD87, and on LinkedIn slash UXWD. Yeah, and we'll have those in the show notes. So thank you for your time, Will. This was great. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, this is my very first podcast. A little nervous. You sweat crushed a little it. Right now. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for reaching out and, and thank you for your time. I'm, I'm, I'm honored, truly honored to see all the things that you're doing on, on social media and you accomplishing your goals to be a small part of that. It's a great honor for me. And I know 2023 is going to blow your fucking socks off. So I can't wait to see yeah. the great things that are in store for you. So, so thank you and congratulations on your success so far. No, thank you for all your support. You know, people like you make it so much easier. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. NoDegree.com